Today's an exciting day. Uh, we're alive, so breathe. Like we're, like, we're alive, breathe. And sometimes we overlook that. We overlook the excitement of being alive and just breathing. Um, you know, at Church Project, we're even celebrating as a network. Today, Andy White and Amber White are celebrating one year of being a church in Dallas. Like, they're, they're celebrating that today. Houston, they're celebrating their fifth anniversary last week and this week. And we did that fun video last week and sent it to them. Like God is moving and God is moving in our network, but that's just a little tiny network. Like he's moving in the church, the capital C church, everywhere that we look, God is moving. And in the passage that I want us to look at today, if you'll open up your Bible to Luke chapter 22, Verses 47 through 53, it is so apparent that God is moving and he will move. His will is to move and he will accomplish his purposes. And as we look at Luke chapter 22, verses 47 through 53, my prayer is that you're encouraged today to know how much God is in control. So let's look at this, let's read through this, and let's see what God has for us. While he was still speaking, There came a crowd, and the man called Judas said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. When Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, why have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. So to set this up, Jesus is in the garden praying. He's about to, obviously, get betrayed. People are obviously going to come and get him as our pastor looks and take him away. And if you know anything about the Bible, the very next day, Jesus is going to die on the cross and he's going to be brutally murdered for our sins. And he's sitting and this is where we find Jesus. He had just come into this garden and said, pray with me, disciples. Like, pray with me. We're about to enter some, some things where hell is going to fall on me and it's going to fall on you. And you need the strength to pray. And if you look at the previous passage, what did the disciples do? They fell asleep. Jesus is praying. And he looks up. And while he was still speaking, he sees this crowd coming. What I think is neat as we look at these uh, verses from 47 to 53, there's a, there's a breakout. Did you notice the breakout? There's three of them. And one of them is the Jewish leaders and the crowds were, were out of control as they're coming towards Jesus. The, the Jewish leaders of the day and the crowds, they were, they were out of control. I mean, there's a mob coming towards Jesus. And then if you look in verses 49 through 50, even his own disciples were out of control. Weighing, they're getting their sword and going crazy. But then in verses 51 through 53, you see that Jesus is in full control and that he is going to work his will even in this. So I have a question for you Have you ever been betrayed by someone? Don't point to them. Oh, I have an even deeper question. Have you ever been betrayed by someone and you knew that it was going to happen? 
Have you ever done that? I remember a couple years ago sitting with a guy who really was down and out, um, on the verge of becoming homeless, just needed a job, and, he, and we're having coffee, and I'm talking to him, uh, you know, about possible solutions and about church project, and, you know, just, and, and he goes, I, Aaron, I have this huge job, and it's just to trim all these, these bushes, and it's going to take me two days to do it. The only problem is I don't have a trimmer, and I'm going, okay, very good, and I, and I knew it as soon as I went to offer it. I was like, why don't you come to my house? And I've got this really sweet trimmer. It was a nice trimmer, wasn't it, Lauren? It was nice, and I used it quite a bit. And I knew it as I was offering it to him. I'm like, listen, I will let you use this trimmer. I need it back, though, because I use it quite often. And he goes, oh, yeah, for sure. I'm so, I'm so glad that you're letting me use this trimmer. And I knew it. Did you, did you, have you ever been there? You're like, I knew it as soon as I let it go. It's like, no, like my trimmer. I woke up the next day and it still stung like the trimmer. I knew that I gave it away and it's just a stupid trimmer. Have you ever been betrayed and you knew that you were going to be betrayed? I mean, Jesus is sitting here and I I can't imagine what he's thinking, especially, let's just look at it. Look Look at verse 47. While Jesus was still speaking, there came a crowd. And the man called Judas, one of one of the twelve that Jesus had picked was leading them, that crowd, that mob. He drew near to Jesus to what? Kiss him. Wow. I mean, Judas had spent significant time with Jesus only to lead the mob towards him, to betray him. And this wasn't just a, a trimmer. I mean, this is Jesus had poured his life into Judas. And I can imagine there was times when Jesus even, you know, I, I, I get giddy when I think about this. Jesus maybe, well, this isn't, you won't find this in the Bible. But maybe there was that morning, you know, maybe a year ago or so, when Jesus woke up and he's like, oh, Judas, Judas, come here. I got to show you something. Takes him to his private place of prayer. Look at this. Isn't this awesome? Like, don't tell anyone, though, because this is like where I come to pray up here in this place away from everything. I wonder if that happened. Like, Jesus is pouring his life into Judas all along, knowing this very place that he introduced him to, this secluded place of prayer, this life that he was pouring into, is going to turn and betray him. How powerful is that? (laughs) What was meant for relationship and rest was turned into doing and status for Judas. Like Jesus just wanted a relationship and wanted to introduce him to a place of rest, a place of seclusion and prayer. Yet Judas used that very thing, that relationship and that moment and what later turns it against him and turns it into a thing of doing and status. Do we do this, church? Do we take these very beautiful things that God is showing us and wants a relationship with us and we absolutely turn it and we slap? We do the opposite? See, look at this. Verse 48, he came to him with a kiss, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the son of man with a kiss? Would you, would you betray me with a kiss? And Jesus points out right here in verse 48, he points out the irony 
the, the duplicity and the fraudulence of that kiss. Like this is a deceitful kiss. Judas takes what was meant for beauty, this kiss, and what does he do? He twists it. Jesus meant this kiss to be a beautiful thing. Judas twists it. Yet, we do the same thing, don't we? we? We do the same thing. We read the Bible, but especially if you're a pastor, you can get caught in reading the Bible, not to fall in love with God, not to just absorb his words and to bask in it, but especially as a pastor, you read the Bible to what? Come up with great illustrations, great points to show your intellectual knowledge of Scripture. Like what was beautiful, we can turn and we can twist. We even, might even, some of us might even memorize scripture, and, or scripture not for just reflection and, and for something to grab a hold of when time is tight, but some of us may memorize scripture to quote to a lost person or to impress us with your knowledge of memory of scripture. What Jesus says is good, we can even take and turn and twist to bad. Some of us right now, we come to church, beautiful thing. But we may not be here just to be the church and, and to serve and to love and to fellowship. We may be here to consume and just for the status to say we are at church. Judas took a very beautiful thing and twisted it. Jesus looks at him and says, would you betray me with a kiss? And I wonder if Jesus, while asking this question, says, I really would have wished and I really would have hoped that your betrayal wouldn't have come with a kiss, not with that symbol of love and hope, but would have come with a fist. Like, I truly wish it would have come with a fist. It even stung even more that this betrayal is coming with a kiss. Judas takes what is beautiful and he twists it. The Greek word for kiss is phalenian or phileo, and it means to love. Jesus takes this love and he twists it. Sin is the exact opposite of what God designs. Sin is the complete opposite of what God has designed. Sin is the perversion of anything good. Oh, if Satan can take it and twist the truth just a little bit, he can twist our attitude just a little bit slightly. He skews and he he skews the reality and warps our perspectives. Then what he's done is Satan has taken truth and beauty and twisted it just a little bit in our lives. And the trajectory of truth that is twisted and a perspective that is skewed leads to lies, leads to death, And leads to pride. Are we so dead, so beyond feeling, church, that we use beauty, we use kiss as a sign of betrayal for Jesus? How do we approach Jesus? I'll tell you how he approaches us. And this is what's beautiful about this passage. God's grace to us is sweet and irresistible. He knows. He knows that there's betrayal. He knows that there's pain. He knows, and his grace to us, even knowing, is so sweet and irresistible. God is sovereign. 
He works out his plan in our life. He will accomplish his plan in us. And I'm so excited to know that. My prayer is that this, it's part of the Lord's prayer, which really should be labeled the disciples' prayer, right? It's this, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you pray this over your life? Do you hold out your hands and say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as God extends his grace to his people and says, I love you and I have a purpose for you and I will accomplish great things through you, church. And it's me driving it. In John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In John 10, 18, he says, no one takes it from me, my life, but I lay down my own life on my accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. In John 10, 28, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them from my hands. You see, God is in control. Even in the moment right here where it looks like things are spinning out of control, God is in control. How's your life right now? What are some things that you're going through, church? Are there areas where you're, you're just looking and going, God, I don't know how this is going to play out. Like, really? I, I, I don't know what's going on. Does that send you in a tailspin of just doubt and fear? Or does that send you into a place of sitting and resting in God's grace? Say, my love for you is the love I've chosen to give you, regardless of your actions, by the way. I love you. Come to me. Some of us, we may be beating ourselves up over the head right now, saying, I'm not earning this love of God. Well, great. You can't earn it. God flows and pours it on you and says, my grace is here and I love you. But yet we, as doers, we turn that beautiful thing, even called grace and love, And we begin to turn it into something that is a checklist, something that we can accomplish because we're just good enough and we do it right. Church, don't take the beauty of scripture. Don't take the beauty of even this thing called grace and God's sovereignty and twist it and think, make us think that it's about us. It's not. So here, I'm going to give you the uh, permission to breathe a deep, relieving breath right here. Just breathe breathe in all that stress of doing and accomplishing and being the best perfect person you can be. Breathe it in and breathe out right now. Let it go. When we begin to understand God's love for us and the grace that he pours on our life, it is beautiful. It's freeing. That's why we sit and when we sing. We can lift our hands and say, God, you, you've broke the chains. God, your love for me is, is perfect and compelling. God, it's about you and it's not about me. We get to verse 49 and 50. We see that his dis- disciples are out of control their, their actions are impulsive. And if you look in verse 49, it says, and, and when, when 
And when those who were around him saw uh, what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike? And, and just put yourself in that moment because look in, in verse 50, and one struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. So they said, Jesus, Lord, should we strike? And I imagine immediately Jesus was turning around to say, no. And the disciples were just like, Wow. Like, impulsive, right away, I'm not waiting, I'm going for it. Lord, should we strike? New, wham, like, done. They just moved, and the disciples were out of control. We saw the mob out of control. They're coming in the darkness of night because they know they have to arrest him in, in the darkness where no one can know in the secret places because they have, no, they have no right to arrest him, so they're coming out of control. Then we see the disciples out of control saying, should we, what should we do? Should we do something? No, wham, they they're out of control. Is that you? How about you in your life? Do you question and don't wait for the answer? I do. Peter was a good man to have on your side. Like passionate, I imagine. Do you ever question and not wait for the answer? You don't spend time in prayer. You're like, Lord, should we? Wah! Just like, wait, like two seconds? Really? You couldn't give me two seconds? I came across a quote, um, and it's a great quote. Peter's reaction was natural, by the way. He's a good man to have on your side, right? You want this guy on your side. This, this crowd's coming to take Jesus? I mean, he's, he's like, no, uh This is a good man. So Peter's reaction was natural. The all-too-natural reaction of mere human nature, unprepared by prayer. Peter's embarrassing faux pas would never have happened if he heeded the master's words. And if you remember what those were, just a few verses earlier, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Was Peter ready? Did he pray? Or did he just jump up and go for it? Well, do we freak out? Do we panic? Do we just react in life? Uh, how about me? Yes, Aaron Havens, I, I act and passionate stupidity all the time. Uh, this is how I kind of say it. Ready, shoot, aim. <laughs> any of you, I'm getting better at this, but any of you, you're like, ready, shoot, aim. Wait. Lord, what should we do? Wait, no. Ready, shoot, aim. Church, are we spending time in silence and prayer? Are we focusing? Are we asking God? Are we waiting for his direction in our life? Or are we just jumping the gun? Peter, what are you doing? We get to verse 51. I, no, I, I laugh at this one. You, you take this in your setting. You, you kind of dream it up. Put yourself there. Smell the smells. But when I do that and I put myself in verse 51, I'm just like, Jesus was like, I've had it up to here with you guys. Like seriously, verse 51. Then Jesus said, or, or, or yeah, 51. But Jesus said, no more of this. Like no more of this. And what does he do? He touches the ear and he healed him. Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers, it, it, it kind of goes on right here. Jesus, in these, in these three verses, 51, 52, and 53, Jesus is in complete control. No more of this, guys. Like, this is out of control. This whole situation is out of control, and God is using it to accomplish his will. And the, he did not come out like the disciples would have expected. Like the disciples are thinking, we got swords, like we're going to conquer, we're going to take this over, they're ready to fight. And Jesus didn't come out that way. 
He goes, what you think I'm going to do, I'm coming out. I'm coming out quiet. I'm coming out as a servant. I'm not going to come out with swords. And so when the ear was cut off, how did Malchus, in John 18, this is who his ear was cut off. How, how do you think he responded when his ear was cut off? Like the mob's coming. All of a sudden, it's like, my ear's gone. Like, what happened? Like, this escalated real quick. Like, what happened? He's holding his bloody ear, and, and Jesus re- reaches up and goes, bam, done. Healed. I wonder if there's still blood on the ground. I wonder if there's still, and he's feeling it going, what just happened? Like gone, blood, back. What would you do if, if you were this guy? What would you do if you were the crowd during this guy? The miraculous thing here is that this, this miracle, which by the way is the last miracle Jesus is going to perform in Luke, this miracle right here meant nothing to that crowd. Like, if you were somewhere and you watched an ear go off and you saw the blood gushing and everything and all of a sudden the ear was back on, would you pause? Or would you be like, oh, that was weird and keep going? What would, <laughs> look it, it did not affect them one bit. What kind of leader heals when his enemy comes to kill? What kind of leader heals when his enemy comes to kill, my Savior Jesus does. He does it every day. You know that? He does it every day. His will is being accomplished in our life. Even if it looks like it's out of control, God is sovereign. Church, do not beat yourself up today. Because you did that thing again this week. You know, that thing you said you wouldn't do. You ready, shot, aimed. You went crazy again. You fall on your face, church, and say, God, please forgive me. And I accept this free grace. Once we understand the grace of God, it changes our entire life. The way that we see, the way that we respond, everything about our life has changed. I'm watching the clock too. Carl, you can leave now. <laughs> Go Cowboys. <laughs> Let me say this to, to end. Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me, bless his holy name. Church, do we say that with our life? Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is in me, bless his holy name. A leader that heals when others come to kill is a leader I want to follow. There's a savior that I can trust in because this world shows us the complete opposite. A leader that says my grace is enough for you, church, is a leader I want to follow. He's given everything for our life. So breathe a little bit. Breathe it in. Breathe it in. The grace of God, just breathe it in right now. Know that God's sovereign in control of your life. Hold your hands out to him and say, this is my life. Do with it what you will. Oh, Jesus, my Savior, my Master. Use my life. Let my life bless you, Lord. All my soul, all my life, everything that's in me, may it go for you. Amen? I'm going to pray for us. Uh, if you would, just hold your hands out in front of you and just a form of submission saying, God, 
Humbly, I offer everything and I offer everything, my life to you, and I receive anything you have for me today. Just ask God in this place to show himself to you. God, we, your church, sit humbly in anticipation, knowing that your spirit will speak to us. Please show us things in our life that our lives may not be aligning with you in this area. Whether it be pride or laziness or impatience. God, we give you these things. Ask you to remove them from us. God, we just sit and ask that we could bask in your love in this love relationship right here, right now. And that we would leave encouraged, on purpose, focused, filled with joy and hope. And we know that Satan wants to twist that beauty and put guilt in us. God, we give you our lives. Church, I'm not sure what God is showing you right now and what he has shown you in this. So continue to spend time just worshiping him. And whatever he shows you, would you respond? This is about a relationship, not about a task. Pray, God, here's my life. Use me for your will. I'm going to ask us if we would to just continue worshiping God in this place. Some of us will worship him by communion over on the back right. Communion is the point where we we go and we take the cracker and we dip it in the grape juice and say it's your body and your blood that was broken for my behalf. And God, I remember that and I thank you for that. I worship you because of that. That's the greatness. So some of us will worship through communion. Some of us will worship through offering, giving back to God what he's given us. Some of us will worship by writing prayer requests down. Some of us will worship by sitting silently and praying. Some of us will worship by standing and lifting our hands and and just singing to God, saying, God, you are holy, you are worthy, you are everything. In this place, don't be worried about tomorrow. Bask in his love of today, knowing that he is in control. God, we, your church, stand in anticipation. We are so thankful for this message. Thank you for how it impacts our lives. Thank you that in the chaos of this world, in the chaos of this life, you stand up and say, that's enough. You speak love. You speak grace and hope and joy. God, we accept that. It's your name we pray. Amen.